1: Hi, and welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. Today's episode is focusing on the family connection, particularly in your own household to help me out i have invited the lovely and positive ashley logston who is a relationship slash parent coach and the person behind the mama says namaste business i think it i if i can refer to it as a business as well as her podcast so welcome ashley thank you for being here and would you mind saying hi to our audience as well as introducing more of who you are and your background
2: Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on, Lori. I was excited to, to first just hear about you. And as soon as I saw the title of the puberty prop, I thought, ooh, this is going to be somebody I'm going to resonate with. I'm excited to get into this because all things family are, are things that I'm so excited about. And clearly, puberty is a part of the growing a part of our life and a part of the, one of those beautiful seasons in our life. So I am a a marriage and family coach. I usually say I'm a relationships coach because it, it happens in both arenas, both at home and at work. So what I do is I help growing families understand their unique strengths and passions so they can pivot from tension and chaos to connection and intention at work and at home. So when I do that in the personal realm at home, I'm helping families to write a story where everybody in their family thrives and to look at not waiting for one day to make that happen. And then at work, I'm looking at, OK, how is that work going to going to honor the family life that you're wanting to create instead of being the, um, the, the thing you're a slave to? So we really look at creating a a life we all thrive in. And so much of that has to do with those beautiful relationships we have. And that that starts in the home.
1: Excellent. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about your backstory, Ashley?
2: Yes. So, uh, so how I got into even doing this, I've honestly, I've lived and breathed the entrepreneurial world from the get go. My father was an entrepreneur, and he built his own business 48 days. And uh, 17 years ago, at this time, I, um, I started working with him. And in that process of of helping people to find or create work they love. I was very passionate about personality styles. I always have been and um, got my degree in, in both psychology and actually sign language interpreting and got a degree in interpreting. And oh my goodness, is that powerful for understanding relationships, Uh, getting, going through an interpreting program and understanding how to, you know, not just convey word for word, but to, convey what the meaning is that somebody is wanting to, to say. So, so I had a lot of of background just in my, my educational journey of wanting to learn about it. And then as I started developing kind of more personality style stuff in the 48 days arena. I went through DISC certification and developed a certification program through that. I actually now have a course that is in final editing process. It'll be released in a few weeks, actually, called Discovering You. That's really understanding more about who we are and how we tick and how we can stay motivated. So all of that kind of came into what started to morph into Mama Says Namaste. And so as I became a mom, I loved writing, I loved learning about personality styles. And so I kind of combined it all to start just blogging about my experience as a mom. And as I did that, I recognized that the more that I blogged with my struggles, the more accountable I was to step up to be the mother I wanted to be. And so as I as I was coaching people and helping them to understand personality styles and work, they started asking you, can you help me at home? And I started to see, oh, my gosh, this is such a an opportunity for a win-win because as I write for my own accountability to step into the parent I want to be, I have the opportunity to share all of those insights with others and help them to be an inspiration to step into their own greatness. So that's kind of where we I kind of morphed into creating Mama Says Namaste kind of as a personal family branch of what I was already doing within 48 days. And true to my word, one of those things being don't wait for one day. So we decided as a family not to wait for one day, but to go ahead and put a date on it. It always remained one day until you put a date on it. So for us, our one day dreams was traveling and creating some adventure in our lives. So we worked hard to create location independent income options for us. And then we we set off to hit the road. We, we took a month off and went to Costa Rica, lived for a month in Costa Rica. We did a, and then we, and then the next year we took off in an RV to full-time RV the state. And we have been doing that full time for almost five years now. We hit all of the lower 48 states in the first two years. And, um, and now we're kind of flip-flopping between, between RV travel for usually around six months and staying put in Florida where we have a home base and are experiencing some fun of camp hosting and staying for a longer period of time at a campground. So we've had a lot of of how my life and work has integrated into one another as uh, as I've recognized uh, the beauty of accountability in that and how much it has helped me to step into what I'm wanting to do in 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 my life and and hopefully in that process it's it's an inspiration and encouragement for others and confirmation that it can happen.
1: Wow, thank you! And it's really neat to talk to somebody <laughs> that has lived on the road, truly on the yeah. road. And you're a mama. You have some children. Do you mind telling us about their ages? Yes. Actually, um, interesting with this, too, because I was a mama who had
2: every expectation of having a house full of boys. I was the only female in my family. I have two older brothers. My husband was the oldest of three boys in his home, was completely set for a house of boys. And I have a 14-year-old, 11-year-old, and 8-year-old girls. <laughs> I have no boys in my home. I have three wonderful girls opened my world in a whole new way. And, and boy, I mean, even on this topic, the, the, me getting blessed with three girls was the first step into opening me up to a whole new perspective and approach on my own comfort with puberty, sexuality, my own sexuality, my own body and everything else. So, so yes, three girls, we are all living it together and we are living and learning and growing and understanding our bodies more and more every day.
1: Excellent. Thank you. And that body image, you know, that positive relationship oh goodness, with the body yes. is so important And which I'll be having some more episodes about. We already had one episode with Dr. Irene talk about body image, and I'm looking forward to having more in the future. So from what I understand regarding what you do and support is that it's important to take a moment to pause, to set our mindset. And this is something that Mm -hmm. I often do in the health education classroom. So would you mind Mm -hmm. explaining what that means in your eyes about setting our mindset? And then if we could take a pause before we continue. Mm Definitely.
2: Definitely. And I, I love that this is something that you, are, that you add into this because we listen to podcasts because we're in a rush sometimes and we're doing other things. I mean, I know for me, I'm, I'm such a doer. Um, oftentimes podcasts is when I'm in the rush of everything, but a podcast is also a great guided meditation reminder. It's a great reminder to also say, okay, hey, whatever you're doing right now, stop. Just stop and take a deep breath. How often have you done that today? First and foremost, if you're listening right now, just pause what you're doing and just stop and truly listen. Listen contains the same words as silent, So that means silence your mind, silence everything and just take a deep breath. Sometimes we have to just simply stop the movement first and just experience some stillness. And that's a very, very valuable part of our life. I mean, stillness, we 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 need that to recharge every night. You know, we bring in our sleep to recharge. So invite some stillness in for a moment. And then while you're sitting in that stillness, just concentrate on taking that deep breath in and that deep breath out. And recognize what is, what is right now. Who are you in this present moment? Who do you want to be today? How do you want to show up? How do you want to shine? How is your love for life and for those that you care about going to be reflected in you today? As you sit in your stillness, then you open your eyes and simply look, just observe, just look around you. Watch what's moving, watch what's not moving. Take into account some things around you that you can find appreciation and gratitude for. If nothing else, if you are in a room of blackness and there is nothing else, there is gratitude in that breath you just took. So find what you can start your your day out with gratitude. Find those moments to stop, to center yourself to focus and then simply look at what is literally in your sight what is in front of you something that you can you can identify as something to be grateful for when we shift our our perspective to being present and finding gratitude it's amazing how much easier things can be for us to handle when things are thrown at us, and you know, all the ups and downs of the day, when we're able to come from a point of center, and we're able to know how to get back to that point. So again, if we get hit in the midst of crazy, that we can always stop, take that breath, find the center, find something that gives us gratitude. It is a great leveler to help us to kind of reset and keep going. So. That's a reminder for right now and a reminder for the next stress moment that you have, that next element of crazy. Pay attention to how many times you just allow for that. Sometimes we, we go to an extreme of it's either going to be an hour-long guided meditation where we've driven to the yoga class and all of this stuff, and we've blocked off five hours of our day, or we can't do it. You can take five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, I mean, two minutes is a powerfully long amount of time to be able to get your center. So hopefully we are centered right now. We're feeling that calm. And now we're open to look at what we can receive
1: from here. Thank you, Ashley. And a little side note for any educators that are listening. If you do this in the classroom, you might think, well, we have no time. I have to put so much into this 40-minute lesson, something like that. What I found is when you allow students a few moments of taking a breath, they're actually more Mm -hmm. centered. And it's not about controlling a mind. It's about taking a breath, as Ashley just said, being Mm in the moment, noting your body, noting sounds around you, noting anything around you. And another thing in education is when you ask a question to a class and you're waiting for a response, we're supposed to pause for at least nine seconds. And usually somebody will say something within that time period. It might feel long at first. However, as you're waiting for a response after asking a question, that's a great time to take a breath, a nice cleansing breath. So thank you again, Ashley, for doing that. And do you mind telling us why did you start this Mama Says Namaste?
2: Oh, man. Wow. What you just said and that importance of sticking with a few seconds, like or importance of waiting for that. That's really important. And um, I have a whole podcast episode called seven seconds will change your life that is very much on this. So um, I'll answer the question and give you that insight because they kind (laughs) of go together. So like Mama Says Namaste was really my um, was really started because of the request that I was getting from couples I was coaching on the business side, where we always inevitably were falling into how is your marriage doing? How is your family doing? So I had that, I had my passion of being, uh, you know, I came into parenthood as a former nanny, preschool teacher, camp counselor, babysitter, you know, I was always around children. And so I took all of those, you know, all of that and just saw the opportunity there to share my insights as another form of accountability. For myself to be that parent. And also, um, because that was, as I came through, to, to, it, through my own process of finding work, I love, I recognize my calling in life, the thing that I feel the most called in life to do is to help others find their inner light. That means a I have to be accountable to find it within find it for myself, but then b, it's looking at Yeah, how I can how I can help instill that in others and through Mama Says Namaste and even just the meaning of the word namaste, you know, the peace, the light, the love, the calm within me recognizes respects and honors that peace, light, love and calm within you. And, and so it's it's going to that deeper connection of I see you of, you know, I think of the movie Avatar. It's like I see you. It's a deeper connection and so I was so passionate about that. I mean, Mama Says Namaste really just grew out of that where it was, a, you know, it's over a decade of my blogging that then developed into now what is the business that I have. And on that aspect of waiting, I mean, that I am a go, go, go person. I am a very fast paced, high energy person. And so are, is our whole family, but we talk about just an understanding personality styles. I mean, I have my own theories on this and I'm, and I have not found any scientific evidence on this and I am not a, you know, a neuroscientist. And so this is completely just in my own hypothetical theorizing here, but if I take my, the personality assessments that I use, I use DISC personality assessments. And there are a lot of assessments out there that have the four quadrants, D, I, S, and C, or whether you're using that or whether you're using, you know, um, now Enneagram, of course, is varied from that. But first and foremost, the personality, style, personality assessments that I'm taking are not the end-all, be-all. This is not the answer. This is not going to solve every problem. There's not a right or wrong. It is simply a tool to open the door to self-awareness. And that's what we use it for It's simply a tool. Do you get insights from this? Does it resonate from you with you? If it doesn't, why or why not? That's where we go with it, not right or wrong. Um, And so in going through this and understanding it, though, you know, I can talk about some generalizations for some personality styles that are very fast processors. It's kind of like they live up here in the front part of their brain, in the front quadrants of their brain. And in three seconds, what comes in comes out. And that doesn't always mean that they've really thought through. <laughs> it might be a little bit more of a ready fire aim approach. But what comes in can immediately come out. And then there are other people where it takes longer to process. This is not a sign of intelligence, it, or if anything, it's they're more intellectually thinking before they speak. <laughs> so, but the, it takes longer for it to come out. And so, if we don't allow for that pause, what happens? is we have all of our high energy people constantly talking and the others don't ever get, get space to even be a part of the conversation. And so I talk a lot about the power of the pause. And when you ask a question, and this is so powerful, yes, for educators in the classroom, when you ask a question, wait seven seconds or to your extent, you know, wait nine seconds. It is, it is insane to me how many times or it's uncanny to me how many times in the past few years that I have led group coaching calls or facilitated calls where I have groups. And I will ask a a question and count to seven and exactly seven seconds. I have one of these personality styles in the back, an S or a C personality style. One of them will speak. And nine times out of 10, when you make the space for it, those that choose to speak, what they have to say is worth listening to. But they haven't had the space to even be able to process and get it in for all of the fast paced people flying past. So that's such a valuable, valuable thing. The power of the pause and recognizing that when we're talking about communication and connection, it is not just in talking. I mean, talking is one form, but that is not all the ways that you communicate and you connect. And there is so much connection that can be made in allowing for pauses in our conversation as well.
1: So how do you recommend family members go from this communication to connection more? Certainly the pause, what I'm hearing you Mm -hmm. say, what else?
2: One of the things is definitely doing uh, is allowing for more space because of that, because we tend to be so rushed. So it's allowing for, like just what we did with the meditation, you know, getting present with the moment, finding gratitude in, in things that are around, I mean just having shifting conversation, having conversations where we're, th- we're talking about things that we're grateful for, it's amazing what things can open up when we do that. And then And then looking at, yeah, looking at just open conversation, one of the best ways that we foster communication and connection in our household is the fact that we are just simply living life together. I mean our kids are constantly observing and being apart, being included as sharing what we're doing what we're going, what's going on, what we're struggling with, it doesn't mean that we have to put the weight of the world on our children at all. It's simply in in our home. Our home is a family-centered home. We are part of a family team. That means we need everybody to be a part of it. Everybody gets, to sh- gets the opportunity to have a voice, to show up, and to also be required to, you know, be a part of the family team to show up and and be responsible for your impact in the home. And so that means that we have a lot of just ongoing conversations. And it's not conversations of parents talking to children, or telling children, it's conversations with each other, it's engaging in a two sided conversation. So There are many times where our kids will come to us and they will ask us a question and we return it with three more questions back at them. It's not giving the answer. It's asking, well, what do you think about it? Well, what's your perspective from here? Where did that question come from? What's on your mind? You know, it's asking some deeper questions that then open the door to amazing insights. And quite honestly, in a family-centered home, It can sound in some senses crazy, you know, scary to have kids be more involved with it versus just whatever the parents say. But in having a family centered home, oh my gosh, it, it takes the pressure off as a parent because it invites your child to really show you what awesomeness they have. And there is, there's so much we can get from our kids. And when I have pulled myself back a little bit from the talking to, you're talking at. Let me say talking at even more so talking at a child or giving the answer, you know, always having the answer for them. When I have pulled myself back and I simply asked where they were first, there have been so many times where all of a sudden I realized, oh, well, the answer I was going to give is way too elementary for where they're at. They're actually way deeper than I thought or vice versa. You know, there there's so much power in being able to simply slow down the conversation so that it is very much a give and take of an opportunity to discover each other and find out more insights about one another.
1: It's interesting because if you spoke with the majority of my students, especially when we're face to face in a classroom setting, they say to me, you know, I'll ask a question and you'll say, well, what do you think about that? And you just <laughs> a lot of students will say they come out of the classroom with me having more questions, but thinking more than as they entered. And to me, that's what an educator and a person on this planet is meant to do. It's how can we help people live happily and joyfully and actually think about their choices to be purposeful, Mm -hmm. intentional, in which you've said the word intentional. I just said it. Would you mind explaining a little bit more about what that means, particularly within the family setting?
2: Oh, yes. When we move from reaction to intention. It's simply that it's simply looking at how can we be proactive versus reactive in life, we can be reactive to life, and we can be a victim of circumstance. If you are familiar with Carol Dweck's Dweck's comment about growth mindset and fixed mindset, you know, we can be a victim of circumstance, we can believe that this is the these are the cards we've been dealt with. And this is our lot in life. We're really choosing not to do that. We're choosing to look at the to look at a growth mindset that I can choose to be what I want to be, and I can if I know the tools to get there, and I can if I can figure out the tools to get there. And this is something you know. This is a good insight to share because for you, your audience, and where you're coming from, you're coming from this from the educator platform. You're speaking to an unschooling mama. So let me say from an unschooling mama here. My my philosophy on on what it on what we're doing is I've coined it as a, a functional education philosophy. So I believe in the functional education model. So just like functional medicine is mind, body, soul, functional education is a lifelong journey. It's not confined to the walls of the classroom, to a grade in school, to a test level, to a GPA or anything else. It is lifelong. And I believe regardless of whether you are in a public school, you are unschooled or anywhere in between, you still have the opportunity to do functional education and to be a lifelong learner. And my goal for my children as an unschooling mama is not for them to know all the answers. My goal is to equip them with the tools to figure them out on their own. And that's really, really powerful. And I think that in even in the traditional school models, the more we can equip that critical thinking, you know, the more we can instill the critical thinking model for them to find the answers on their own. Oh, my goodness, then the sky's the limit. And that's where we have the ability for our children to be that next generation that surpasses us, that next generation that knows more than we do. We don't just teach them what we know. We have to teach them how to go beyond that. And in doing that, that's, that's those tools for them to think critically on their own. So yeah, the Socratic method of teaching, we use a lot in our home and we, we definitely encourage a lot of just critical thinking and asking questions as we discover and learn together.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. I have to share something with you because you shared with our audience, the play on the letters between the words, listen and silent there's another one. It works a little bit differently, but similar with the words reaction versus creation. It's the same letters, but it's Mm -hmm. seeing things and how I've explained it in the health classroom. It's taking that, that seeing things. So instead of reacting, how can you create?
2: Uh Oh, I love that. I I never even thought of those word combos together, but it is so true. And yeah, and that's where You know, when I when I speak on personality styles and when I've used that as a foundation for everything that I'm doing through Mama Says Namaste, we talk about uh, my tagline there. And for my podcast is the uniqueness in each of us strengthens all of us. And so we want to highlight that and see, okay what are those things? Well, one of the things that we do is we look at what is a fear for each personality style. And what happens is when our fears are touched, it's a trigger. We're going to react when we feel triggered we react. And so what do we do? Going back to what we did for mindfulness to begin with, the first thing we have to do is stop and pause. We got to get out of the reaction and stop and just recognize what is and look at the reality of what's going on. We have to be present in the moment and see what's going on. And then recognize, bring to our awareness what's, what's being played into, what's being triggered. How can we handle this differently? And so the more insights we can kind of get, the more awareness that we can bring to our own understanding of maybe what triggers us and what might set us off, the better we can come to grips with that. I know for me, a trigger for me is feeling out of control. And so I can take a great superpower of uh, leadership and delegation. And I can, when I feel out of control, become a micromanager who's going to come in like a drill sergeant barking at my whole family. So what's the solution? I can react by being that drill sergeant or I can be intentional about the fact that I know today is a day I'm feeling frazzled and I've got a million things on my plate. And so I feel out of control. So I'm going to first intentionally do a brain dump on this piece of paper so that I can dump down all of my thoughts and I don't have to think about them and bark them at anybody else. And then I can pick one thing and I can do it. Now I've got a feeling of control. So now I can go out and I can be intentionally present with my family and not reactive to them. So there's my, there would be an example of a reaction and intention and how understanding a trigger for me helps me to know how I can shift from reaction to intention.
1: Wonderful thank you so going more specific to the topic of sex education and this podcast is the Mm -hmm. puberty prof in which i'm supportive of us having conversations with children at younger ages i've chosen the pubescent age because i've worked so many years with this age group and have shared honest information and skills for children to feel healthier and more joyful what do you recommend for families to build a foundation of connection specifically to this topic of sexuality?
2: I think the best recommendation I give for it is it's not one talk. <laughs> it is not, please don't wait for that specific date when it's going to happen. The best recommendation is the moment your child starts bringing any attention or awareness to anything about their body. is. The, the perfect moment to start having conversations about it. And so often we box sexuality and puberty and let's think all things sex, you know, all things, all of these taboo things that we're nervous about talking with our kids. We box them all into this little compartment and we think we're going to just go over and touch that compartment at some point and we'll address it with our kids. Living life with your children, having regular conversations with your children, sex and sexuality will be a part of it. If you are open to that, it will be a part of just regular conversation. And it's amazing how you can have little elements be way deeper concepts. And I have to, this was actually, I did a series on the birds and the bees on in, in my podcast And as I was talking with another lady who we've already talked about being a guest on your show, who's got some great resources, um, we were talking about creating the sexual legacy and all the conversations that we have that create a legacy about our understanding of who we are in our own sexuality. And she was sharing even some stories about how there was a story of, you know, two seven year old girls meet each other on the playground and, you know, they're instant best friends and can Susie come and spend the night at my house? And, um, you know, it was an instant thing. And right there, they started to have conversations in this situation about these two little girls, completely innocent, completely non-sexual. But this was an opportunity to to start discussing consent. How well do you know each other? You know, you're talking about jumping into bed together. You know, do we know her mom? Do we know her dad? Do we know anything about this family? You know, who is this girl? How do you get to know somebody before you go, to that level? What are some ways of building relationships with others? And all of a sudden we have opportunities to under, to talk about, you know, body consent in a completely non-sexual situation, but still looking at you know how how quickly we open ourselves up to others, or maybe having a conversation um, yeah, about understanding and exploring our bodies. And I mean, I remember having conversations with my you know 2 and 3 year olds about their bodies and their comfort with nudity and not shaming them yet helping them to recognize that not everyone else is comfortable with that in our culture when I had, you know, a five-year-old running around naked in the backyard and it's not a matter of, uh, yeah, there ever being a big talk, it's just, oh my goodness. When we just live life with our kids, there are so many opportunities where it just comes into our awareness. You see a sexualized picture on a, on an ad somewhere you see some, you know, of course media, anywhere you're going to get, you're getting messages constantly. On top of the fact of just little real life scenarios that are completely innocent, but that is an opportunity to just say, hey, this is a part of humanity. This is a part of life. This is something to recognize. This is something to be aware of. Do you have any questions? Anything like that? Yeah, it's kind of, I kind of rambled there, but kind of the big thing was just that I can't, I mean, at this point, I look at, I look at so many countless conversations and it's not that the, you know, there's pinpointing the one, the talk. Because the conversations have been so prevalent in our lives. And um, if you're not seeing this, if you're not having any experience, if you have any animal lovers in your household, you most likely are going to see it there. Because animals don't hold back. Animals aren't scared about the taboo aspect of this. And so there are so many opportunities to see every aspect in nature as well.
1: Yep. And thanks for reminding us that talk is a verb. That's why the apps yes. that I've created is Talk Puberty. It's meant to be an action word or talk before sex. That's the other app. And those of you that don't know of the National Sexuality Education Standards, I know that three-letter word of sex is in there. Yet, as Ashley noted, sexuality, it, it does start younger, but it deals with things like relationships. And that is one of the mm-hmm. topic areas of this of these standards it's consent and healthy relationships and it starts with how do i make sure that if i own something like i'm given a gift how do i learn to share that and am i ready to share that and to to teach that we we have these body bubbles and we have the right to say i don't feel comfortable with you know high fiving or a pat on the back until i know you more or never that kind of thing. It's providing Mm -hmm. tools for children. And then there's other areas on those standards that refer to gender. And we can start talking to young people about these messages we get about what's a boy and a girl, particularly if they don't identify Mm -hmm. in in that way. So the standards break down, it goes to seven different topic areas. Please feel free to check that out. And I believe I have a link on my website, thepubertyprof.com. We've spoken a lot regarding parents and other caregivers. Do you have any recommendations for children or preteens themselves about how to be communicating either with family members or connecting on sex education topics or anything regarding that you know how to survive, not not only survive puberty but thrive through those pre-adolescent years?
2: Oh man, Um, my one of my big go-to resources is Jessica Connolly with Moon Daughters. She has two courses: Moon Daughters and Creating Your Sexual Legacy course. Now, a lot of the ones that she's done have been really focused with the girls, with females, obviously, because i I'm I personally have been pursuing that as far as me only having daughters. But that being said, even when I look at when I look at Moon Daughters, I, I wish every mother. Would, would be able to watch that regardless of male or female, because I mean, we have to also just take into account that, I mean, all of our kids, what, what they're going to be receiving and taking from and, and understanding about this is very much a direct re- reflection of how we as parents are processing and dealing with this on our, ourselves. If we are, if we are bringing our own fear or trauma or insecurities into it, That can definitely be reflected over. And so when I think of resources for families, when it comes to this, it's not just looking at resources for kids. You know, there's some great books. It's Not the Stork is a great series that is a very thorough series. And I give the caution of that, that it's definitely something you want to read through as a parent first and determine what all you're comfortable talking about and how you're pacing it with your kids. But, you know, I read those books out loud with my kids in a very let's talk in, you know, every page. It's OK. You have any questions about it? We kind of talked about it together. We explored it kind of together out of our curiosity. There are great books out there that are for kids um, that can do some elements like that. And I have a list of them on one of on my sexuality podcast episode that I, I can share with you as well. Yeah, and then beyond that, though, I would encourage you as parents to recognize that if you have children under your roof looking at sex and sexuality, pay attention to where your mindset is around it and whether maybe there's an opportunity for you to kind of learn and grow in your own understanding of it, your own comfort yourself, because that right there is going to be the best thing that you can do for your children because they're looking at you as the mirror example first in your actions, even before what it is you're saying to them.
1: And sometimes parents need some time to figure out what to say. So if you're a young person listening in, you might have to uh, pause, might be a little longer pause and be intentional. And some children actually write letters to a parent or caregiver to say they want to talk about things, which I think is really a smart thing to do if you can't verbalize it at first. I think that's really, interesting. you know,
2: yes. And, and on that um, there, there are tips for communication you know, not everybody is comfortable with face to face being more, a little bit more confrontational and it can be a little, te- a little scary with words sometimes with just written word, because it can be taken out of context. And so, um, you know, what are some other ways we can do it where we can still have conversation yet not, not be too confrontational. Well, You know, writing a letter is a beautiful way to kind of open the door for a conversation and also look at some other ways to engage in conversation that may not be as confrontational. Walking side by side driving in the car together, um, doing a project together. Sometimes just when we're kind of, our, we're, our hands are busy, our eyes are busy, it helps us to kind of let our talking be a little bit more free flowing. Um, even on the phone, sometimes it can do it. So if, you're, if communication or having these conversations can be a little bit difficult, you know, a third party thing, meaning like a book or a show or a podcast you listen to is a great way to have it be kind of not so scary as well as just simply don't be face to face with it. Do a project together, hike, walk together, or do a car ride together and see how things can kind of ease and flow a little bit that way.
1: Do you remember your puberty experience? and growing up as that preteen into a teenager? Oh my
2: goodness. I had, when I was 13 years old, I went to a basics camp. So think cabin in the woods, no running water, you know, all of that sort of deal. So I was, and this was a camp I'd been to every year since I was eight. And first day of that week, I started my period. I also had my first boyfriend that week. I got my first kiss on the cheek that week. And um, that was a big, big week in my world, for sure. And so I had in and yeah, this was like I went into this camp and completely unprepared. And then all of a sudden everything happened that week. And oh, so thankfully, in that situation, my mom happened to be the camp cook that week. And my mom has always had just what I have said to say it here. There has never been a question that has been taboo in our home. Now, that does not mean that my parents were always prepared for it with an answer or that they even had an answer um, or that they were comfortable talking about it. But a question was always we could always ask anything. And so um, because of that, we've always had open conversations and I knew about. What was going on already? I mean, I knew that this was coming. I didn't have the same, I guess, appreciation and respect for the fact that this wasn't a curse in my life at that point. At that point, I took it as this is, you know, this is the curse I'm, I have to endure. And um, thankfully, my mother and I both see, you know, see menstruation and the female body and everything we go through in a different way now and see the beauty in it as well. But I, I have to say that, you know, my experience with puberty, the thing that helps me more than anything is the fact that I had a support system of people that I trusted that I could talk to that maybe knew a little more than I did. And in my arena, it was my mother and it was a few friends. And then I actually, I was the coach for a few of my friends who didn't have a present parent, who didn't have a parent that would have that conversation. We had to figure some things out on our own. And I, I'm grateful, though, that that is, again, again—it's it was not a one and done situation. And it wasn't just that this was a traumatic experience. And I had this one situation or anything like that. But this has been a lifelong process of gaining new insights, understanding and knowing more about all aspects of the big broad element of sex and sexuality, but then also the very specific who is my, what's my body and what is my body doing and how's my body changing over the decades even it's a constantly growing process and so there's so many more insights and I'm, I'm very grateful now for the much healthier perspective than when I was coming into it and in, in my as, as a young child and I think that now with podcasts just like yours we have a lot more openness and a lot more resources that um, we have in this super connected world that we can can use for the good and for the positive, and and not just look at this as as a negative situation at all. Yeah.
1: In a previous episode, I had Jen All talk about having a healthy menstrual cycle and appreciating that there's force parts to it. And let's try to appreciate those parts, not see it as the curse kind of thing. So before Mm -hmm. we end today, Ashley, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience members, knowing that there's family members, parents, other caregivers, health educators, or other educators listening, as well as children and preteens or teens themselves? Yeah,
2: more than anything else. The Brene Brown has a quote, and I love the quote, and I've used it so many times. The last thing we need in the midst of our struggle is shame for being human. We are humans. We are humans that don't have all the answers. We mess up. We get things wrong. We get confused. We say something and then we change our minds. I mean, these are all parts of humanity. And give each other and yourselves grace. Give yourselves grace for the fact that if you do mess up, that doesn't mean you have to stay that way. Learn from it. What does this make possible? It's only a failure if you choose to not get up from it. You know, where can you go from here? And just recognize that and give grace. Give grace around these conversations. Sometimes these conversations will open up trauma and pain that somebody has had, insecurities that somebody has had. We're human. And We can give space for that and recognize that, you know, there maybe there's times where we just need to come back to it at a later time. So just give grace in this process and and recognize this is an ongoing conversation. It's not going to go away. Just as much as we are humans, we are sexual beings and we are going to have this as a part of our humanity. So as you continue going around this, remember that the uniqueness in each of us strengthens all of us. We're human and we stumble and we have every opportunity to take those Every time we fail, every time we struggle, every time we do something that we wish we wouldn't have done is a great opportunity to simply wipe the slate clean right now, say now is a new day, take a reset and see what you are going to intentionally create moving forward. Who do you want to be today?
1: Thank you. I have two little questions left for you. One is, would you please remind us, what does namaste mean?
2: Namaste is, now you can get a lot of different translations for it, but, but really the, um, the full, I actually have a printable that I printed off that was kind of my main definition of namaste. And so it is kind of, I, I kind of epitomized it like this. Namaste means my soul recognizes your soul. I honor the light, love, beauty, truth, and kindness. Because it is also within me. We are interconnected. We are love. When I look at that, I think about you know. That's really when I think Namaste. I think of that meaning, that interconnection, the fact that we're all humans in this, and there are those little elements of humanity and those tiny moments of that that peace, that Zen, that moment of just. If you can find that in you, you know that sweet spot of joy and beauty that that is. And if another person can find that and then you two can connect on that level, oh my goodness, there's so much beauty that can be made. We can be created from that. So that's what I seek to do. I want to find Namaste within and help you find it in yourself as well.
1: Wonderful. And my last question is, if people want to hear more about how they can have this intentional household or to find out more of your services, to connect with you, ask a question, how can they get in touch with you, Ashley?
2: All right. Well, since you're listening to podcasts, I'm going to send you to the podcast as the first day, (laughs) because that's going to be an easy search for you. The Mama Says Namaste Podcasts, and it's Mama M-A-M-A. So um Mama says Namaste Podcast is an easy way to get resources. Every week when I do a, a podcast, I also do a full blog that goes um with it that also has deeper links to podcasts that are on that subject. So search the Mama says Namaste podcast or mama says namaste.com and that gives you a, a plethora of resources to then dig deeper and, and also to reach me directly.
1: Excellent. So Ashley, I thank you so much for being here today. Namaste.
2: Namaste.
1: Thank you so
2: much for having me on.
1: And to our listeners, I thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you have a happy
0: and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast.